Almighty God, you have promised that your holy word, which goes forth from your mouth, will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish what you desire. It will succeed in the matter for which you've sent it. May your word have its way, we pray, in every heart this day, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So, on the last day, will you and I be judged on the basis of how we treated the poor? Our gospel reading for this morning seems to suggest that good works, especially good works for the poor, are the ultimate requirement for heaven. Now, we Lutherans have a response to that. We teach that saving faith in Jesus Christ produces good works, and it does. Good works naturally flow from faith in Christ. You have only to look at passages throughout the New Testament to verify that. Hebrews 11, for example, describes case after case after case of saints of old believing God's promises and doing great things as a result. It goes on and on. So good works naturally flow from a faith relationship that we have with Christ. That's true, but it's really not saying enough. There's more to this lesson than that. The lesson isn't just about the king, the coming judge. It's primarily about him, but it's not either just about the sheep or the goats. It's also about the brothers of Jesus, whomever they may be. And they are critical to understanding the account in your gospel reading. Because how the people of the world respond to the brothers of Jesus determines whether or not they are sheep or goats, whether they inherit heaven as a gift or whether they earn their place in hell. So Roman numeral one in your sermon outline, the brothers of Jesus Who are they? Well, there's different interpretations. Letter A, there is the social ministry interpretation. So point number one, Jesus' brothers are the needy, whomever the needy may be. They may be needy believers, they may be needy unbelievers. And this interpretation, the social ministry interpretation of Matthew 25, is really a recent Interpretation. It's a, basically a 20th century phenomenon. And it's been popularized by people such as Mother Teresa, whom I reference in your outline. Helping the poor, serving the poor, this becomes the mission of many in the church. That's the social ministry interpretation. It's everywhere. It's on the Lutheran Hour broadcast. Um, it's in commentary after commentary after commentary. 20th century commentaries, I might add. There's also letter B, the contextual interpretation. And and I think we've learned before, but it bears repeating, that meaning is always a function of or result of context. When you open a dictionary and you see different meanings of the same word, you know that this comes from usage, the different contexts in which the word is being used. It's true in terms of interpretation all the time. Context is king. 
So letter B, the contextual interpretation. Point number one, Jesus' brothers are his disciples. They are his disciples. And that is point number two, the dominant interpretation down through the ages. From the ancient church on until the 20th century, Jesus' brothers were understood to be his disciples. And let her see the evidence for that. Point number one, brothers is a term reserved for all of Christ's disciples. Uh, In Matthew 12, uh, Jesus' mother and brothers try to interrupt him. He's teaching his disciples. And someone says, oh, (coughs) excuse me, Lord, but uh, your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to talk with you. How does Jesus respond? He asks, always with a question, who are my mother and my brothers? The one who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. And then at the end of the Gospel, Matthew 28, the angel, or actually, I'm sorry, our Lord says to the women, that he's going before them. Go tell my brothers that I'm going before them into Galilee. There they will see me. The brothers are the called disciples, the the missionaries. They're the preachers. They're the called workers. And subscript A, lowercase a, they are the audience to whom he's speaking throughout Matthew 24 and 25. Matthew 24 and 25 are called the eschatological discourse. It's a fancy term for the end time teaching of Jesus and the audience is his disciples. It's not the poor per se. His disciples, the disciples will be poor, but the audience is the disciples. And letter B, they are the ones who will experience hunger and thirst and imprisonment for Christ's sake. They're the ones who will experience nakedness thirst, and so on, for Christ's sake. And you can, you can read about that in 2 Corinthians 11, where Paul goes through a litany of hardships that he's endured for the sake of Christ, because he is a disciple of the Lord. And let her see, Jesus identifies with the disciples in Acts 9, when Saul, later St. Paul, is being called to follow Christ, He says this, to persecute my followers is to persecute me. To disrespect them is to disrespect Jesus. Because it's through them that Jesus comes to us. So Jesus identifies with the disciples rather than with the needy or with people in general. And then letter D, and this is from Matthew 10, the the missionary discourse of Jesus. Whoever receives you, he said, receives me. Elsewhere he says, whoever hears you, hears me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he's my disciple, he will by no means lose his reward. So point number two, Jesus calls us to disciple all nations rather than to feed and clothe them. He calls us to disciple the nations 
not feed and clothe them. Nowhere will you find a command from the Lord to go out and clothe the naked. Now, we may do that, and there's good reason to do that, but that's not the commission. And then point number three, the social ministry interpretation focuses on who are the least in your community and encourages you to serve them. While Christ's concern in this passage is not for the least per se, but for his brothers, even those who are the least among them. The key term is brothers. Who are they? And the context is clear. It's the disciples. So this passage is all about helping the disciples. There are passages in which we're encouraged, even commanded, to share with those who are in need. That's true. But this passage is not one of them. St. Paul wrote in Galatians 6, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So do good to all, but especially to refuse the message and therefore Christ. Now, the, the danger for all of us in this, this is the way God works. He works through people. But that creates a problem for us because, well, we don't always like people, okay? <laughs> it's offensive to us that Christ so closely identifies himself with flawed, sinful messengers whom we may not like. We assume that we have good reason to not like them, but that does not change the fact that Christ himself has sent them to us. That doesn't change the fact that through them, Christ himself is speaking to us. You know, all of us want God to excuse our own weaknesses, but we are sometimes slow to extend the same consideration to others. When someone is speaking God's word to us, especially if he has a divine call to do so, and if we ignore him, we're ignoring Christ. That's the meaning of the text. If we refuse to hear him, we're refusing to hear Christ. And we need to repent. We need to acknowledge our ingratitude and receive Christ's forgiveness. Letter C, Christ's comfort for his messengers. Whenever you speak his message, and as parents, you speak that message to your children. You may speak that to a co-worker. Children, you may speak that to a classmate at school. Whenever you speak his message, you don't have to have a divine call to be a minister to do this, but whenever you speak his message, Christ thinks so highly of you that he will judge those around you to whom you speak on the basis of how it treats you. He will judge the world by how it treats you. This is why in verse 40 of our lesson, Jesus says, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, meaning disciples, you did it to me. And then letter D, there's Christ's comfort for his sheep. Christ thinks so highly of you that your welcome of his messengers and therefore of him and his message testifies to your sheepiness, I guess. Uh, it's a sheepy thing to do 
to welcome the message of Christ, to welcome the messenger who brings Christ. It testifies to your identity as sheep and your blessedness. So where are you in this judgment scene? If you imagine uh, the king sitting on his throne, the sheep on his right, the goats on his left, where are you in that picture? Whenever you share God's word with someone, whenever you're the the speaker of God's word, whenever you share his law and his gospel with someone, you are among the brothers of Jesus. That's where you're at in the picture. And Christ identifies so much with you that when they receive you and your message, they receive him. When they reject you and your message, they reject him. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So when someone speaks the word of Christ to us and we believe it, we show ourselves to be his sheep. And being a sheep is no less of an honor than being a messenger of Christ. Remember what our Lord said in our gospel reading. The one who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Jesus considers those who hear the word to be every bit as important as those who speak it. You receive the same reward just by receiving the message. That's how highly Jesus thinks of you who hear the message. You're just as valuable as those who speak the word. Those who occupy the pew are just as important as those who occupy a pulpit. My friends, in our gospel reading for this morning, Christ honors us in two distinct ways. When we faithfully hear his word, we show ourselves to be a sheep. And when we faithfully speak his word, we show ourselves to be his brothers. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds. Through Christ Jesus, amen.